uh, a mail truck pulls up outside of our office and a mailman gets out and he has uh, a three foot high canvas sack over his shoulder, looks like Santa Claus, brings it into our office, drops it off, goes back out to the truck, gets another sack, brings it in. In all, they brought four sacks of letters into our <laughs> office and we had 18,000 responses and probably about half of them sent a dollar in. So what we did was, so we had $9,000 uh, that people sent us. We went down to the local printer and we printed up a dozen juice recipes, but also put an order form on the back on how you could order a machine, mailed that out to the 18,000 letters, and enough people ordered juicers from that initial mailing that we were able to start the business. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, the inbound evangelist himself, Dan Moyle. And welcome to the Storytellers Network podcast. I'm Dan Moyle. I'm your host, and I'm so glad that you're joining me today. In this episode, we get to hear from video marketing expert, Rick Cesari. Uh, Rick has actually helped major brands like GoPro and George Foreman build billion-dollar brands through brand response advertising, strategic video marketing, and just great marketing in general. And his book, uh, Building Billion Dollar Brands, aims to put valuable knowledge of the big brands into the hands of you know, inventors, uh, small business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, Amazon sellers, anybody out there to help create innovative, successful marketing campaigns. So we definitely are talking about marketing today and video in particular uh, and storytelling and his experiences. It's absolutely awesome. Uh, I'm so excited to have you listen to Rick today. Uh, he's just, gosh, he's a, he's a best-selling author uh, with his book, Buy Now, which I, I personally have and, and love, uh, The Building Billion Dollar Brands. The, both those books are amazing. Uh, he's a speaker, he's a consultant, marketing and brand strategy guru, and he's bringing all that expertise to us today to talk branding, marketing, and storytelling with the medium of video. It's awesome. Uh, now, as we get into today's conversation, a friendly reminder, find us online at thestorytellersnetwork.com for more episodes, for how to contact us, and for other resources to help you better tell your story. And if you like what we're doing here, please consider leaving us a review in Apple Podcasts. It helps us reach new storytellers. Now, let's get to those stories. So thank you for joining me, Rick. Uh, I do appreciate you being here on the show today, man. Hey, Dan, it's great to be here. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Yeah, I'm a big fan of video marketing in general and using video for communications, uh, sales, marketing, uh, customer service. So I was, I was thrilled to have you say yes um, and talk a little bit about your expertise, but also just other things that you do. I mean, you've written a couple of books. You've worked with huge brands, as I mentioned in the intro. Um, so yeah, this is going to be really cool. Um, let's start off with, uh, I like to think that storytellers can be anywhere, right? I consider myself a storyteller. I'm in Southwest Michigan in a small town. I don't have to move to a specific place in the country to be a storyteller. So let's start there. Where are you geographically as your video storyteller expert that you are? Well, I'm based in Seattle, Washington, uh, but I grew up uh, just real quickly in the New York area, about 30 miles north of the city. Uh, then I lived in Florida for about 15 years, and uh, I agree at absolutely what you said. You could be located anywhere in the country and uh, really be able to tap into storytelling or video storytelling. So uh, geography is not that important. Now, does, does geography play a part in like your stories though, Rick? I mean, if you've, you've moved around quite a bit, I got to believe that you've got all kinds of stories and styles from everywhere then, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, the stories do, and, and really the geography does. I mean, um, I, I, I probably have enough stories where we could make this a three or four hour uh, podcast. <laughs> um, but one of the, you know, when I was living in Florida, I, you know, just a little bit about my background, you talked a little bit about it in the introduction, uh, but I have a degree in biology. I never was really in marketing and, but I was looking for ways, and this is right after getting out of college, I, uh, 
was living in Florida. And I was looking for ways, like when you're young, you want to make money. And so I read a lot of books. I read two types of books, motivational books and books on how to buy real estate. Because at the time, and I think it's still true, most millionaires are made by investing in real estate. So I figured that's a good place to start. And um, I got involved in the uh, real estate seminar business. And that's how I kind of learned uh, a lot of the marketing concepts that I've used throughout my career and later in life uh, was really direct to consumer marketing. And, and so it's interesting, you know, I, things I basically learned, and I'm going to date myself now, back in the mid to late 80s, uh, laid the foundation from a direct response standpoint for a lot of the campaigns I've had success since then. And, and so you started back in, in the, the mid 80s, mid to late 80s. How much is it, has that storytelling changed over the years since then? I mean, it's only been, you know, what, 30 years now, but I mean, that's a, a lifetime in internet years. <laughs> so Yeah, like, absolutely. And so um, it's actually pre-internet. Uh, when I got started, we were using newspaper ads. And, you know, what's interesting when I talk to uh, different business groups or marketing groups, um, there's some foundational things that don't change, like basic storytelling. And you, you know this, Dan, better than anyone, hasn't changed for centuries, but the delivery vehicles have changed. Um, and, you know, when I got started, believe it or not, we were still using newspaper ads and radio. And, uh, and later that graduated to basically being able to use stories on television, which was a more expensive delivery vehicle. And nowadays, I, I think from a marketing perspective, the different ways that you can deliver a story to the listening audience is just magnified. And, and there's lots more options, which actually make it easier from a marketing perspective. Oh, absolutely. And, and so obviously, you know, you consider yourself a storyteller and you are uh, a, a video marketing um, expert, I would say, you know, you've, with the companies you've worked for and stuff, worked with and everything. <clears throat> have, have you always used that visual medium, video in particular, or visual medium in general to tell stories better? Yeah, absolutely. And I, you had mentioned I, ha I have the two books and you mentioned them in the introduction, the, the Buy Now, which came out in 2011 and talks about some of the case studies of, you know, like Sonicare and Juice Man and George Foreman Grill. Then I have a new one uh, that's actually going to be released in all, the summer of um, uh, 2018, just, so just in a little while, uh, called Building Billion Dollar Brands. And that talks about GoPro and some of the other products that were able to be built into billion dollar uh, products. And the, the base of it has all been video marketing um, in, in some format. And so I've been using video marketing and, and I would have to say that's probably more of my expertise than anything of using video to get the viewer or consumer to take some type of specific response, whether it's to order a product, to visit a website, uh, that type of thing. So I, I've been using video since, you know, since the beginning, since we talked about the, the late 80s, even before the internet, mm -hmm. and still using video uh, quite extensively in all the projects that we do. Yeah. And so when, when we talk video, you know, I immediately think of Facebook video, Facebook live, YouTube, that kind of thing. That's where we, we live now in 2018. But, but I mean, you were doing it back when it was just TV. How, how hard, well, I guess not how hard, how has it changed from TV to internet video? Is it easier, more difficult? Is it a different way to tell story? Yeah, it's a different, you know, in the TV and I, I, I cut my teeth on half hour infomercials. So I knew that I had a half an hour to deliver the message. And one of the interesting things, and this, I guess, goes to the heart of storytelling, which is capturing uh, people's interest. Um, when people would look at a half hour TV show, uh, not everybody would stay and watch it. But if they were interested in the subject matter and you were able to create a story throughout the, the half hour show that they would follow, then, then that was your audience. So in, in all the different formats that you mentioned earlier that are, that are being used today, obviously with many of them, the uh, formats are shorter. 
and people just don't have the attention level to stay tuned in. But I think the basic elements that um, capture uh, people's attention are still used. You just have to do it more quickly. Hmm. And, and do you think that's harming our storytelling craft? I mean, to have to get their attention in three seconds or in a 10 second video, is that, is that hurting storytelling at all? You know, I, Basically, I would say the, this will be a little bit of a dichotomy for an answer, but a yes and a no. Um, you know, with what I would say from a no perspective, you are using maybe an initial contact to get people's interest. And then the people that are interested, uh, maybe from a shorter video, will go to your website where you have more content and can do a deeper dive and, and the story can be more revealed. I think from a marketing perspective, um, many of the projects we work on now, we're just really trying to use video or other types of marketing to get people to go to the website where then the video content is, which is other um, stories that can be told, the story of the brand, and the companies that have really applying video are using it that way with the, the most success. Even, you know, I have a, I work with a couple of companies that are doing north of $20 million a year on sales on Amazon and they're have been successful because at their base, they use a lot of video to explain their products and that gives them a leg up on, on any of their competitors. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Video is huge. I, I can't, I can't tell people enough. I mean, video is not the future. It's now it's the past and it's now, but it, it, they need to get into I would say it. So. It's more, yeah, it's absolutely more now. It's, it's, it's huge today and it's only going to grow. Um, the, you know, my, my newest book, which I'm working on now, which will probably come out in about a year is called video persuasion. And it's all of, it's basically a combination of uh, video production, video marketing, and a lot of the direct response strategies I've learned over the years. And it's really basically saying, how can you use video to, to get the viewer to take some type of specific action? Because even when you're telling the story, um, you're either entertaining, but usually you do want the viewer to, um, the reason you're telling that story, you know, you might be entertaining them, but usually there's a reason for that. And what are you trying to get the viewer to do or what action do you want to take? And that's what I'm going to be going in depth for in, in, in my new book. But really to echo, echo what you said, video is now, but it's even exploding and becoming, will become larger and larger. Um, but at the same time, you know, you're going to be getting it on your mobile phone. You already do. But, and so it's, again, the tension spans are, are dramatically reduced. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny because I, I, I'm, I have a short attention span quite often, but I also will listen to, you know, an hour long podcast, or if, if you've got a video that, that does bring me value or a story that I'm interested in, I'll stay, I'll, I'll never forget when I was before my current job at interview valet um, in marketing, I was at a, a mortgage company and our, most watched video for the longest time was a full 11 minutes of just me as the host and another, uh, another, a guy talking about a specific loan. But because there was so much good information, that 11 minutes was extremely valuable. And we had more views on that and, and a longer view time than some of our short videos that were just meant to be funny or whatever. So, so bringing that value, telling that story, um, using the medium correctly, man, you can really you can bring people in and give them great stuff um, and they'll stick around. So it's, it's kind of funny. Um, anyway, so, yeah, absolutely. so you, were kind of, you, you were kind of uh, talking about the same exact thing that, that I was is, and that you you, that video you're talking about um, provided really, really great content. And I know a lot of your listeners have, have heard about content marketing. And as long as you're putting some information out there and both you and I love the video format and it's, it's what's working best. And, and there's reasons for that. Um, the, the, the basic concept is again, it goes back to when viewers are watching something that interests them personally, length doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's good advice. Absolutely. Um, so, I, so I want to know, uh, a couple of things. First of all, I want to know, I want to get back to, to storytelling in general. I mean, you're, you're a writer, a speaker, uh, you, you use video, you use storytelling in a lot of different ways. You've used it in direct branding and uh, marketing and strategy, everything else. So, but, but I want to know for, for you, Rick, is what story 
really changed your life, whether it's professionally or personally, you know, story is so, so huge in our lives in general as humans, but what's, what's a story that really changed your life? That's a good uh, uh, question. And, and there's probably a, a few answers to, to that. And I think it has to do with uh, something that happened in my personal life, which led to probably one of my first big business successes. And that was, I, I grew up in a big family at eight children. Um, my dad passed away uh, very young at 45 years old and I, from a heart attack. And it was all lifestyle induced, uh, you know, smoked two packs of camels a day, ate a lot of red meat. And that had a really profound impact on me for a couple of reasons. One, it affected our life as children, um, but it really also got me uh, passionately interested in health and nutrition and how I could prevent that type of thing uh, from happening to myself first. But then I kind of, in my research and study, uh, really felt the compelled to uh, help educate other people about um, you know, healthier ways of eating. And so what happened was uh, in 1990, my brother and I started a company called Trillium Health Products. And our first product was the Juice Man Juice Extractor. And that company was the right product at the right place with the right type of marketing. And we were able to grow very quickly from zero to 75 million in four years. And basically just delivering that message of um, basically it was healthier for people to eat more fruits, vegetables, grains, and legumes, a little bit less red meat. And it just took off. And so, you know, a story from what happened to me personally impacted my life and, and created something that I would really become passionate about and helped me start my first business. Is, is that kind of one of the things that you love about story is the impact it, it has around you on others? Oh, absolutely. Um, and it, it, it's like, I, I, I've always used uh, storytelling in almost all of the marketing uh, successes we had, because I think that you, people have been ingrained to um, listen to stories. And it's really like we talked about earlier, just the delivery vehicles that are changing. And I've always felt, you know, video works so effectively for many reasons, but one of the mains is that you're appealing to two senses as opposed to just a print story. When you read it in the book, you're just visually seeing the print, whereas with the video, you're, you're hearing the words, your audio, and, and visually seeing it, and there's, I think, a more emotions that can be communicated, um, and, you know, any marketer will tell you that you, you usually make a sale when you make an emotional connection to the people, and a video is a, a much easier way to do that, and stories are a much easier way to do that. I mean, absolutely, and, and it's funny because I, I think of video marketing is so much more than just the marketing and sales side of it. I think of it as a communications thing, right? I love to use, you know, I love to use video in my email. I love to use video, not just to like feature a product, but to help others. You know, if somebody has a question for me, I want to point them to a video that helps them rather than having to, to type it out. Right. We don't, we don't read as much as we should probably, but, but you know, reading on your smartphone versus watching a short video. I mean, that's huge. And that's just, that's just communication, not even marketing. So I love that idea of it too. Have you, have yeah, you found absolutely. that for people too? Yeah, absolutely. Let me give you a statistic. I mentioned before I work with um, a lot of Amazon sellers and helping them with their marketing and Amazon you talk about where video is going. Um, Amazon is gearing up to allow more and more video on their listings. Right now, it's limited to some of the bigger users and if you have a brand, uh, a brand registry site. But here's some really amazing statistics. The products that are able to use video uh, to explain their product or even have a testimonial video on there um, are converting as much as 20% higher uh, in sales-wise than ones that aren't using video. And you know, it just really goes back to what we've been talking about is the power of the video as a communication tool and a sales tool. That's huge. 20% more than without video. Yeah. I'll give you a couple real quick, good examples and, and your, your listeners can go look it up. There's a, um, a green uh, powder called Organifi. And if you go to Amazon, there's lots of green drink powders, lots of things. 
But Organifi, for their, if you go to their, their listing for their green powder, um, they're the largest seller on Amazon, and their video is a story. It's a woman talking about how she had um, breast cancer. She was 40 pounds overweight. She changed her diet, starting use, using this green juice powder, changed her life around. And I mean, it's a real um, credible, uh, at the heart of it, emotionally, uh, uh, but true, authentic story uh, that compels. And that's the, 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 the video that, that these people have chose to use on, on their, uh, you know, Amazon listing. And then once you're, you know, once you hear that, then you can go watch other videos. Uh, but at the heart of it, it's this personal story or testimonial of this person that was using the product that uh, really communicates the effectiveness of it. And, and what I, what I hear you say there, Rick, which I think is so important to kind of pull out is authentic emotional storytelling and, and is so effective for convincing or persuading. Right. Um, and video really right. cap- captures that, doesn't it? I mean, that, that's the best way, one of the best ways besides in person to really get it. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm yeah. every, um, product success that I've had from Sonicare to juice man to George from the OxyClean at the heart of it were testimonials, but, uh, basically testimonials of people that have used the product, but, that goes back to exactly what you said, authentic testimonials. And that's something where I preach to marketing groups that they should be reaching out to their customer base and getting 15 or 20 people that have been using their product, have them come to a, a, a house, a room, a studio, sit down with a video camera and ask them 20 or 30 questions about their product, what they like, what they don't like, how long have they been using it, uh, you know, be recommended to friends. And at the end of that time, you'll have so much good feedback and content from actual authentic customers and that then we take that information and use it to help us market the product. But meanwhile, we have all this video that we can create and then use that through some of the social social channels. But it really goes back to what you just said earlier, authentic, emotional testimonials and personal stories about each person's experience with the product or brand are, are have I found the most effective communication tool. Yeah. And, and I heard you say there too, what you like and what you don't like. So you don't be afraid to hear from your customers what they don't like, huh? Oh, absolutely. And you know, um, when you talk about me working with big brands, again, I, I, I want to tell your listeners that almost every product or company I started working with weren't big brands when I started working with them. They were smaller. And so you're, you're kind of developing the brand as you grow. And one of my five keys to building a great brand, and by the way, that's something that your listeners could get if they, uh, you know, if they go online to the address uh, at rickcesari.com forward slash storyteller, they can download the five keys to building a great brand. But one of it is, is the um, authentic testimonial and the fact that you want to know everything that the customer is experiencing about your product or company, the bad with the good, so that with the good, you can keep doing more of it. And with the bad, you can correct it and fix it. That's awesome advice. So rickcesari.com forward slash storytellers, they can get those, those five um, tips, huh? Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. I, I like that, Rick. That's good. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, what other places can we use video besides the, the, the marketing and sales aspect of it? Are there other places that, you know, businesses or authors or personal brands, any, anybody can use video and not just in the quote unquote marketing sense. Have you found other places that is really effective? Um, well, I hope I answer the um, question correctly because other, for me, other uses are, we already mentioned the content marketing. So I, I tell everybody they, they should on their website, uh, whether it's for their personal brand or whatever, they should have, lots of video and again the video that's relevant uh to what your personal brand is about and and basically um make the 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 website the hub of where all that that video content lives um 
you know, doing a video blog, if you, you know, it's, we're doing um, a podcast right now, but maybe a video podcast or a video uh, blog, again, video is every statistic you can look up on video marketing, video is much more effective than uh, just the, 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 the printed word or just listening alone. So those, those are area, other areas that I think that you could, could use video or we do use video in, mm-hmm. in, in our everyday life. Absolutely. And, and I found, so one of the places I found that I'll, I'll share with listeners and, and with you, Rick, and I don't know if this will work for you, but, um, but I, what I found is like, if I really like a product on Amazon, I personally, not as a business, I personally do a, a review, of course, you know, but then I use video as part of that review. So I become a little bit more of that personal brand kind of known for, for reviews. So I've used them on Amazon for personal reviews. Um, I use it in, like I said earlier, an email to send a message instead of just typing. You, you get to see the, um, the nuances of conversation when you use video. So yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of ways to be able to use video you know, to, to help tell your story and do that kind of stuff. So that's, that's good advice. I like that on, on putting it everywhere on your, everywhere that's relevant on your website. That makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, the, the, and, and people see just, and when they start doing that, um, you know, I, I, I work in areas when I was talking to you about the, the one Amazon company I work called pluggable and they do computer peripherals, which is probably the most cutthroat, area on Amazon because anybody can kind of go over to China, you know, get these products sourced and then it's a, a fight over price. And really this one thing, if you go to uh, the uh, pluggable.com and I'm not, you know, pitching their products, but really uh, how they use video and they really use video uh, to explain um, every one of the products and their competition isn't doing that. So that's from a marketing perspective, uh, how they're, they're getting ahead of everybody. That's huge. Yes. If you, if you can be a, an early adopter, that's huge. You will be everybody. Cause when they try to catch up, they never will. So yeah, that's huge. Um, Probably the biggest, I think I definitely want to make sure that we have time or talk about a story to talk a little bit about GoPro because there's a company that built a billion dollar business on the back of videos. And mm-hmm. I'd love to kind of talk a little bit about that and how, and how they did that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear. I love GoPro is amazing. I, I love the uses that they come out of and I love how they, they use their customers' stories of video in, in video. Like it just, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, how was, how was that as an experience for you? What, what happened with that? Yeah. So um, I'll go to different trade shows looking for new products that I think uh, would be good to market. And probably about, it's about eight or nine years ago now, I was at the outdoor retailing show in Salt Lake City, and the founder of the company, Nick Woodman, uh, was just starting out. Um, he, he had some sales, uh, probably a couple million dollars uh, that he was doing through trade shows and some online. And uh, he was basically selling the cameras he, he, uh, out of the back of a Volkswagen bus that he drove onto the trade show floor and laid some sand down. And so I saw it and I immediately thought that this could be a great product. And so uh, he came up to Seattle a couple weeks after the show and we sat down and I listened to him talk and he pretty much outlined how he wanted to build this little camera company uh, that basically had its roots in um, being able to film himself surfing uh, into a billion dollar company. And uh, I was a little bit blown away by him having such a clear vision of doing that. But basically, he developed that camera because he was, was a surfer and didn't, couldn't afford to hire a professional photographer to take pictures of him while he was surfing. So he developed the mount on his wrist and on his surfboard and a waterproof camera so that he could take pictures of himself. And that basically started selling them just through surf shops up and down the West Coast. And basically what you mentioned earlier, Dan, about the user-generated footage, that's really what turned that company uh, and, and, and created the viral aspect of that, is that they would get people to send them video of, of themselves doing surfing, mountain biking, skiing, snowboarding, jumping off cliffs with those flying suits, and when people would go to the website, they'd see the, all this amazing content and they would share it with their friends 
And basically, that's how the company grew from a viral aspect. And we got involved because we were able to make 30-second commercials using that same user-generated footage. Uh, but where the direct response aspect came in, we had a, a, a tag at the end of each commercial that said, go to our website and someone will win one of everything we make every single day. So we were showing a cool video. At the, at the end, people would go to the website. Some of the people would purchase the cameras right away, which helped offset the advertising cost. But the biggest thing is people would go there, see the other videos, and, and share them. And then the third aspect from a marketing perspective, um, in order to register for the contest, they had to leave their name and email address. So we were building a database. And all of those things kind of combined along with, um, you know, the power of video to help build that business. And, and uh, you know, they went, I talk about this in, in, in my book, um, but they actually went public and Nick became a billionaire the day they went public, which is a pretty amazing story. That's awesome. So what I hear you say is it's, it's not always about the sale specifically. It's about, it comes back to the story, the, the shareableness of it, the, the, you know, buy it of course, but also the, the, I want, I want into that community, whatever that looks like. So you're building a story and a tribe through that storytelling. That's awesome. Like that's such a great story. Oh, absolutely. And then, and his thing in the early days was, um, obviously the extreme athlete, the, the people that were out there on the cutting edge, and he would give out free cameras to these people so they would make video. They were producing his video content for them. And because the videos were so cool, people would share them. But it's interesting, as the company started to grow, you know, the extreme athlete market isn't huge. Uh, so where do you go from there? And then if you look at some of the later GoPro commercials that we made, uh, they were like with a family uh, on a toboggan going down a hill or pictures of their pets or people fishing and, you know, different things that anything that could be to expand the market beyond the extreme athletes. Well, and anything that has emotion. I mean, you talk about extreme athletes, Absolutely. yeah, that, that, like that's cool, but a family in a toboggan, man, that, that gives me, you know, the feels, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And again, awesome. the video is so effective at communicating that, so. Yeah. So, so that, so that's a guy who has no problem being in front of the camera. What if, um, what, whatever kind of storyteller I am, if I'm a marketer or I'm a, a business owner, an entrepreneur, whatever I am, if I'm a little bit wary of the camera and of creating videos, how do you get over that? Where do you start? That's a good question. And for, first of all, I would say that I would always lean towards, um, the authenticity of of the being the main person, like if you're the founder of the company or you're, you start, even if it's a small business, you're the expert, you're the one people want to hear about and not to worry that you aren't coming across like a professional news anchor. I think the uh, authenticity of the fact that you're the founder of the company or the inventor of the product more than makes up for any lack of video ability. And then it's really any, just like anything else, the more you do it, the more you're in front of the camera, it's like public speech. The more you're up on a stage, the, the easier it gets because you, you, you overcome the fear and you start to get more confidence and you start to get more comfortable. But I tell people all the time that they're, they are always the best spokesperson for their own product. Uh, that makes sense. I, I like the idea that they don't have to be professional. That was one of my, my things back at the mortgage company was I'm not going to make you know, the, the million dollar commercials on a, on a, on a shoestring budget, but we sure can give good information and be authentic. So yeah, that's yeah and I, and I agree with that. And, and I've learned that lesson the hard way. Um, good storytelling, good content, authentic content will beat out flashy video production any day. And, and now that, you know, the way we are with iPhones and the ability that anybody can create video. And you were talking about Facebook Live. Um, people are used to, it doesn't have to be flashy, nice looking, beautiful, it, you know, unless you're representing, you know, a high-end brand on TV uh, for online video. Uh, authenticity, again, there's that word, is more important uh, and using the tools at your disposal than trying to make something flashy and beautiful looking. 
Mm, absolutely. Although I will say the one, the one rant I have get on my soapbox is if you're going to create those videos with your, your mobile phone, please, for the love of everything, holy, turn the phone sideways. Our TVs are widescreen, not uh, tall. <laughs> yes, see- and, uh, uh, that's, that's actually an absolutely fantastic tactic, simple, but everybody needs to know that. And it's, and I'm guilty of it. I was, um, Mm -hmm. we were talking just before the podcast started. I told you I was in Chicago. I was at an uh, LPGA tournament to get some testimonials for a golf product we were doing. And I made that mistake. I, I, because framing wise, it seemed to me it would be better if I held my phone vertically and I got done and I'm looking at it and it's like computer screens or wherever this is going to be airing. It, that's going to look terrible. So definitely um, do what you just said and hold hold the phone uh, <laughs> horizontal. Yep. Even when I do it with my kids, if I'm just capturing a moment for my family, when I do it vertical, I want to just I just shake my head on myself. I'm like, no, no, dude, turn it sideways because you can see so much more. Um, with the exception of square video, like on Instagram. But anyway, yeah, rant, rant over. What do yeah. you what do you think, Rick? Is one of the biggest challenges of storytelling? either in general or with video? Like what's, what's one of the biggest challenges that you've seen doing this again and again? Hmm. I, I, I think it's, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's very similar to many other things. I made the comparison to public speaking before and I, I was scared to death to get on the stage the first time. And I, and I was thinking that people might be a little bit afraid of the technology when you talk about creating videos. Um, the technology part has become simpler and simpler. And I just want to communicate to your listeners that I'm the least technical person in the world. Um, but you know, I'm able to uh, create video and I have help doing it. Um, but don't let the, um, the technology or fear of having to produce, you know, this awesome looking video or a awesome looking video from doing it. It's better, just like almost anything else you do, it's better to get started and um, learn as you go. It's like, you know, there's an old saying, you know, building the airplane as you're flying it. And, you know, dive in, start, start doing some video putting it out there and, and, and the more you do it, the better you'll get. So it's really just kind of getting, getting started and uh, making it happen as opposed to trying to make it perfect. Oh, absolutely. And, and you kind of have to take the attitude of you basically embrace the suck because at the beginning you probably won't be good. Not everybody's a, a Dan rather a Tom Brokaw at the beginning, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I love it, man. I love it. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, when I've kind of coached people on video marketing myself, same thing, just, just start, don't be afraid, record some videos and don't, don't publish them right away, but have other people look at them, tell you how to get better and then start to publish them and don't be afraid of it. Um, yeah, great advice, Rick. I love that. Um, yeah, what- I think, I think the other aspect of that too is, and I'm guilt more guilty or as guilty as anybody is really as you start doing some of this video is just the consistency of doing it. Don't make one and then wait six months and make another. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's any way you can try to put out one every two weeks and then maybe one every week and depending on what your goals are, what you're trying to accomplish and the consistency of, 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 of using the video or creating video for your video marketing is, is, a, is an important aspect too. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when you, when you look at your, at your resume, Rick, you, you see, you know, or your one sheet as I, as I have in front of me, you got video marketing expert, you've done TV, direct branding, direct sales, uh, you're a best-selling author, you're a keynote speaker, you're a strategic branding expert. So you work probably one-on-one with people or with groups. So you have all different platforms of telling your story. Do you have a favorite platform? Yeah, to, to be honest with you, I, I like doing what we're doing right now, which is the uh, podcasts and the podcasts um, basically are interesting because you're reaching a whole different groups of listeners and it's easy um, for, it's something that's easy for me to do because I'm sitting in my office in Seattle. I don't have to fly anywhere. You know, when I do public speaking, 
um, it's it's an, a great experience, but usually it's something where you have to fly to another city and stay overnight, and it's it takes a long time. So I, I like this kind of um, uh, communication. Uh, I know you and I had talked beforehand uh, that we could be doing this, uh, you know, through Zoom and and creating the video of it, and I I I wasn't able to do that, but that to me that's the um, uh, that's the method that I, or the thing that I like to do the best. But, you know, the one thing I want to tell your listeners too is uh, there's a synergy that always underlines all good marketing. So um, you mentioned all those different things we do. So I, I, I write books and so I get invited to do podcasts because I'm an author. So at the, uh, you know, you write, you get invited. And then if you do podcasts, you get more listeners, then you might get invited to speak somewhere. So it's kind of all tied together um, from a marketing perspective that one thing helps the other, uh, uh, the more things like that, that you can do. Uh, Yeah, that makes sense. That synergy of uh, awareness brings opportunity as uh, Tom Schwab of Interview LA says, right? Yeah. I got to, I got to remember that quote. That's a great quote. Yeah, I, I use it a lot. So <laughs> I stole it from Tom. So that works. So it's no, mine but, now, uh, right? <laughs> that, you know, that's basically at the heart of all marketing is creating awareness. And most people are sitting in their home or office and they have a new product and it's a great product. But if nobody knows about it, your, your sales aren't going to be there. So how do you use existing social media, uh, podcast, video marketing, to really create more awareness for, for your product or service or your personal brand. And that's really, really what it's all about. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's one of my favorite questions too, as I talk to people uh, on the storytellers network, you know, I've talked to uh, writers in the first season, podcasters, the second season, this is season three video creators. And, and one of my favorite questions is how are we supposed to get our stories out there today? It's a noisy marketplace. Um, I might be a storyteller creating my first book. Or I might be a storyteller at a small business trying to do some marketing. Do you have any uh, kind of tips, Rick, on how to get those stories out there as much as experience as you've had? Yeah, you know, you mentioned some of the um, different social media channels. I think, I think that really what it boils down to is you can't make one video and then spend your time trying to get people to uh, look at that one video. I think it's just like at the bottom of everything is kind of a little bit of hard work and persistence. And I use the analogy, it's like a, a you know, rolling a snowball down the hill and it starts out very small. But as you start getting it down the hill and it gets bigger and bigger, it gets momentum. So it goes back to um, the consistency of creating the videos and getting them out there, regardless of the channel you're using and you start to pick up, create awareness and pick up uh, viewers little by little until soon people are telling other people about it and you've gotten that momentum. So it's, it's again, it's something that you can't hope to make it happen overnight. And, the, and every once in a while there's always an exception. Someone will make a great viral video and get lots of followers, but it's really a consistency thing and, and the consistency of, um, uh, getting the, the the videos that you're making out there, whichever channel you're most comfortable with, you're getting the best response. I like that. Whatever you're most comfortable with, you don't necessarily have to be everywhere, but go where you're comfortable and then test from there, I guess. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, yeah. that's kind of like, uh, you know, in marketing, the kind of the Trojan horse, horse philosophy, how are you getting into a person's awareness and if it's through Facebook or if it's through Instagram and you found and you're more comfortable using one of those platforms use that until you start to get a following and start to to do that then you can branch out into into some of the other different platforms yeah that's great um, so I, I want to hear one of your stories uh, I know if, when you turned 50 you had a, a bucket list item to go to Alaska and summit Mount McKinley what was, what was that like? That's got to be a great story just as a story, right? Yeah, that, that was interesting. And it's kind of part of a bigger goal, which I didn't quite accomplish because of uh, uh, health reasons. But I, I read a book um, 
by uh, somebody named Dick Bass, and and uh, they're they're a famous uh, the Bass brothers from Fort Worth, um, famous investors, um, you know, stock investors. They've made a lot of money. Anyway, he one of his goals was to climb what they call the Seven Summits, and it's the highest mountain on each continent in the world. And it's been a goal, and not that many people have done it. Like fifteen hundred people ever have done that. And I mean, you have to climb, you know, Mount Everest and Mount Elbrus in Europe and Denali and Aconcagua down in Peru. So anyway, I was starting on that um, uh, journey, Kilimanjaro in Africa, and um, and got into a lot of local mountain climbing. I live out in Seattle. You look out your window every day. Mount Rainier's there. I ended up climbing that about three times. And then you start climbing other peaks and you kind of slowly work up. And uh, I just started reading lots and lots of books, other people's stories of the experiences they had uh, climbing Denali in Alaska. And since it was uh, fairly close to Seattle, uh, when I turned 50, I decided that I was finally going to do it. Like some people train for a marathon. This was one of the things that I, I wanted to do. And it, it, it was a really fascinating experience because the whole trip took about two and a half weeks and we got snowed in at about 14,000 feet. Somebody in another group had a heart attack and died. They had to lift them off the mountain with a helicopter. And wow. so it's, 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 it is a very interesting story, but it, it ended successfully. I made it to the top and, and uh, it's something I'm, I'm pretty proud of from a personal accomplishment level. Yeah, that's really cool. You know, it's funny you mentioned the seven summits because uh, one of those 1500 or so people is uh, Eric Weinmayer, the blind climber. Yes. And I, I was fortunate to have him on season one, uh, episode 15, talk about climbing as a blind man and what he does to help others. And it's just, there again, it goes back to story, right? How he uses story to inspire others to do what he did, like just incredible. So. Yeah, that was his accomplishments are amazing. And I actually, I have a little connection back when I was doing mountain climbing, I had a, a, a guy who was our director of new business development, but his previous career was he was a mountain guide for RMI or um, out in Seattle and we actually edited some of Eric's video from when he did Everest. Um, mm -hmm. we, it was just kind of uh, uh, somebody, had, you know, had, had called up and said, hey, can you help us edit this? And so that's how, how he came on our radar. And this is many years ago that we did it. But that's, that's a pretty amazing story and accomplishment that that, that guy did. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I want to know, my, my, my big question for you, Rick, uh, is is if you could only tell one last story and then you were done being a storyteller, what would that story be for you? Oh boy. That's a, that's a good one. Um, you guys read some good questions. <laughs> Thanks. That's for, for, to, to date yeah. myself a little bit. That's my Barbara Walters moment. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. The, uh, no, I, you and I both know we're both, uh, uh, Barbara Walters. Uh, yeah. she, she was an amazing in interviewer. Yeah. Um, y you know, that's a, uh, you caught me off guard here. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, cause I have a lot of different, different stories and things, but, um, I, 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 I would just default. And, and again, I don't want to be repetitious. Uh, I think probably for me, what the, the highlight of my business career, and I've done a lot of fun things and everything, was when I was able to build the um, uh, Juice Man business and uh, Trillium Health products. And this is back again in the early 90s. But a really funny story on how that first got started. Uh, I, I ran into a guy named Jay Cordich, who was actually known as the Juice Man. And again, if any of your listeners are older, he's a guy with the big bushy eyebrows and and um, basically uh, was a fantastic spokesperson for the product. So I was uh, broke at the time and and trying to start this business. And I ran into uh, Jay and I, I said, okay, I'll do the business part, you do the talking part. And so the very first thing I did uh, was uh, I was able, I knew some friends that had a small PR firm in New York and were able to book them on a talk show in, in New York called the Richard Bay Show. And it was on a, a super station called WWOR. And Jay got on there 
and brought his juicer with him and basically uh, created lots of juices. And, and the, it was supposed to be a five-minute segment and expanded to about a 15-minute segment. And at the end of the segment, uh, Jay said, I just, again, pre-internet, um, uh, send a dollar, a pre-addressed a pre stamp envelope with a dollar, and I'll send you out my 12 favorite juice recipes. And the station put our um, post office box address up for about probably 25 seconds. And this happened, uh, again, this is going back to 1989, but it happened a week before, right, right about this time is actually, right the, the weekend right before the 4th of July holiday. And so nothing happened for a week. And then right after the 4th of July, the Monday after the 4th of July weekend, uh, a mail truck pulls up outside of our office and a mailman gets out and he has uh, a three foot high canvas sack over his shoulder, looks like Santa Claus, brings it into our office, drops it off, goes back out to the truck, gets another sack, brings it in. In all, they brought four sacks of letters into our <laughs> office and we had 18,000 responses and probably about half of them sent a dollar in. So what we did was, so we had $9,000 uh, that people sent us. We went down to the local printer and we printed up a dozen juice recipes, but also put an order form on the back on how you could order a machine, mailed that out to the 18,000 letters and enough people ordered juicers from that initial mailing that we were able to start the business. So um, that's a fun story that I like to, to tell about how we started the uh, Trillium Health products in the juice business. Oh, that's awesome. I could just picture it for walking like Santa Claus. Wait, how many bags? How many bags? Like, that's awesome. And almost by yeah. accident, it sounds like, you know, yeah, I mean, I mean, absolutely. I mean, yeah, there were a lot of things that just came together correctly. Uh, and the fact that the TV station, you know, put up our post office address and, uh, you know, and then we just basically uh, were able to take advantage of, of the interest in it and, and respond to it. And, and again, you know, from a marketing perspective, that's a great story. And if there was an internet uh, back when we were doing it, we would have basically sent people to a website and, 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 it, and, and logistically everything would have been more simply. So the techniques still work. Uh, the delivery vehicles have just changed. Yeah, that's great. Well, Rick, it's been a pleasure, man. I appreciate your insight, your stories, uh, a big help to the Storytellers Network. So whether whether it's building billion-dollar brands that's uh, coming out any day here um, or whether it's your, your five keys to building a great brand, where can people find you, Rick? Oh, at, at, at rickcesari.com forward slash uh, storyteller. Is that is that the correct address? Yeah. Yes, yeah, storytellers. Yep, just like, just like the name of the show. So we'll have that in, yep. the, in the show notes. Um, yeah, man, that's awesome. Thank you again, Rick. I appreciate yeah, your time yeah. today, man. All right. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. So again, thank you so much to our guest, Rick Cesari. You can find him online. Uh, you can go get his great resources that we talked about. You can find all those links in our show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with someone. Yeah, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, email it, text it. Wherever you can share with other storytellers is always helpful, and I appreciate it so much. Uh, also, speaking of appreciation, please consider leaving us a review in Apple Podcasts if you liked it. In fact, here's one from CJ Thomas. I know that's Cindy, so thank you, Cindy. Uh, she says, love this show. That's the title of, of a review. And she says, fantastic show with helpful, relevant content. Can't wait for more episodes. So thank you so much, Cindy. Uh, I do hope you're still listening and enjoying these conversations. Well, there you go, folks. Thanks for listening all the way through. Uh, again, go visit Rick online and help better tell your story through video. Hey, until next time, here's to telling our stories and having stories to tell. Cheers. Cheers.